Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. But today, I just want to share a thought, and it really kind of came back, uh, came to my attention. When we were in New Zealand recently, we had the opportunity to be there for Anzac Day, and we went to the dawn service. I, I'm a, a dawn service guy, but it's the first time I've been to a dawn service in New Zealand, and it was really moving. And what got me and caught me by surprise was when the New Zealand national anthem played, and they sung the words, God defend New Zealand. I just found myself tearing up as I started to reflect and remember the precious lives that were lost. Why? So that we could live in freedom. The freedom that we get to live in came at an incredible cost. And the dawn service is an opportunity for us to remember those that went before us and paid the ultimate price. I remember the film Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if any of you saw Hacksaw Ridge. It was a film about Desmond Doss, a conscientious objector who was enlisted in the US Army and ridiculed for not wanting to carry arms into battle. When he was on the field of battle, he was wounded by grenade explosion, but not before he had rescued 75 soldiers from Hacksaw Ridge. And when he returned home, he, was, he received the Medal of Honour by Harry S. Truman, who was president at that time. Great film. But it just highlights many, many men and women who paid a high price for our freedom. Of course, the greatest example of this cost is found in Jesus Christ Himself. And so this morning, I've got a message. It's just a one-off message while we're in between series. And it's simply called The Fight for Freedom. Because freedom comes with a fight. Freedom comes at a cost. The freedom we enjoy today came at the cost of others. And Jesus himself is the great emancipator, the great liberator. He came to set us free. John chapter 8, verse 36 says, if the Son sets you free, guess what? You'll be free indeed. Free from what? Free from the grip of sin and all of its consequences, addictions, insecurities, bad habits, fears, etc., etc., etc. But to do that, He had to lay down His life for us. In order for us to have victory, in order for us to have freedom, Jesus first laid down His life. Who for? For us. In other words, salvation is free to us. But it's not cheap. Salvation is free to us, but it's never cheap. And that's why we came this morning and we worshipped together and said, He is worthy of it all. It's a reminder that while it's free to us, it was not free to Him. And salvation is anything but cheap. Can I get an amen this morning? Who is grateful for the work of Jesus Christ? Who's grateful for salvation this morning? May we never ever grow tired of worshipping Him, lifting up holy hands and declaring He is worthy of it all. He came not only to set us free, but He came to keep us free. And that's what I really want to address this morning. Not just being set free, but staying free. Being set free is one thing. 
staying free is a whole nother. It's not easy. And I say that especially in a community like this one. We've been doing a series on community and community is fantastic, but it does have its problems as we looked at a few weeks ago. And the thing about this community is it comes with its problems and it's hard to stay truly free. Why? Because the people that are in the community, because people come with expectations. People have opinions. People have personalities. People have expectations and standards. And these things tend to bring more bondage than freedom. And, and I, I'm a church guy. While I love the church, I mean, I, I am passionate about the church. My wife and I have been leading this particular church for almost 30 years. We are passionate about the church. I am a church person. But can I say church people can be some of the worst at bringing bondage yes. to our lives. And if, it's not, if we're not careful as Christians, we end up living just as bound as we were before we were Christians. Anyone hear what I'm saying today? Our son and now daughter-in-law got married three weeks ago, last Friday. A great day, not here to talk about that, but I did get the opportunity to do a speech as father of the groom. I had an opportunity along with my wife to share a few words. And I was the first one delivering a speech on the night and I stood up very intentionally and I knew the gasp I was about to get. And I said this, tonight I'd like to welcome Caitlin into our family, but I can't. <laughs> and I intentionally just stopped there and, and, and embraced the awkwardness in the room. Then I went on to say this, the reason I can't inv- uh, welcome Caitlin to our family is because she's not joining our family. Yeah. They're starting a family of their own. Then I went on to explain it. I said, that means at Christmas time, they're welcome. They're welcome to come and join us and we will make it worth their while. We'll give them goodies. We'll spoil them. We'll give them lots of presents. We'll make it worth their while. But it is not expected. I said, "If, if they ever want our advice, we will freely give it, but we will never impose it upon them. And then to make light of the moment, I said, and if they ever want any money, we will freely give them Pastor Scott's bank details. <laughs> what was I doing? I was trying to keep our kids free. Yeah. The last thing a young married couple want is an overbearing mother-in-law or an overbearing father-in-law telling what they should do, what they shouldn't do. In my day, we did this. Well, it's not your day, it's their day. And I want our kids, as dangerous as this may be, to have the freedom to make choices for themselves. They'll always be our kids, but they're not our kids to the same degree as they once were. And I, 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 with all my heart, I want them to live in freedom, which means they may take me off on my offer. They may never come at Christmas. They may never ask my advice again. But I would rather them have the freedom and live in freedom and run that risk than bring law and bondage. I would rather them to respond to me out of love than law. I would rather them respond to me out of, I get to, not I have to. 
And you know the cool thing is, Mitchie's been married three weeks and this week alone, I've spoke to him three times. One, because we have an appointment every Tuesday, which we just, we just chat. That's just locked in our diary. We just catch up. But then he wanted to run something by me, so he phones me up again. And then I had the opportunity to respond based upon what he asked on the Friday and, and phone him again. We had three conversations. And, and none of it was law imposed. None of it was because he owes me anything. Mitchie doesn't owe me anything. Caitlin doesn't own us anything. They're free to ignore us. But they choose to press in. They choose to ask. And I want us to be a group of people that are not bound by law and not bound by legalism. Because that's ultimately what the devil wants for us. Because the result of us not getting this right is we will either fall into one of two camps. Because these two camps are easier than what Jesus wants. What Jesus is asking us to do is not hard, it's impossible. And because it's impossible, we tend to go for what's easiest. And here's two easier options of what God is asking of us. One is legalism. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. That sounds very dedicated, it sounds very disciplined, but it also makes me very lazy. My wife tends to fall into this camp. She's more legalistic. She'll just, just, do what I, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. By nature, her personality is more wired that way. I'm not saying she is legalistic. I'm saying if she's going to fall into one two, of two camps, according to her personality, it would be legalism. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Would that be fair to say? Pastor Ashley would probably say he's the same. Crystal is like a Pharisee of Pharisees. She, she fits into this category. By nature, by personality. Hey, you're laughing. You'd fall into one of them. Have a guess which one I fall into. I don't fall into that one. I, I, if, there, if there's a line to be crossed, I'm going to cross it. If there's a question to be asked, I'm going to ask it. If, if, there's, if there's a rule to break, I'm going to break it. Because that's the other camp. One's legalism. The other one is license. I'm so free, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm free, baby. Are there any people out there who feel free and you've just used your freedom to do what it is that you want to do even though you know it's wrong? It cannot just be me. It might be, but I doubt that. <laughs> Kath and I, we're so similar and yet we're so opposite. She's like, just tell me what to do. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I got this. <laughs> and left your own devices, that's, that's where it would land for us. One is just a robot, a religious robot. Tell me what to do. I go to church every week. I tithe, I do this, I do that. That is not Christianity. You tithing and going to church doesn't make you a Christian. God doesn't want your duty. He wants you. He doesn't want a religious robot. He doesn't want a legalistic person who's under law. But the answer to that is not the opposite. Just do your own thing. Let's just be a rebel. If I can't be a robot, I'm going to be a rebel. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to use the freedom that I have to be licensed to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. See how these two are easy? It's easy to do what you want and it's easy to do what you're told. But to run the risk of a life of love, which is ultimately what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to be so free that we'd make choices based on a love relationship. 
And that's why for me, so many of the questions get thrown my way, get answered under the love banner. Do I have to go to church? No, of course you don't. So we move out of being a robot. Oh, I don't have to go. So guess what? I won't. That's not the answer. The answer is no, you don't have to. But if you love Jesus, we get to. And Jesus wants to be so free that we make decisions based on love, not law and legalism or licence to do whatever we want to do. And this is the freedom that Jesus fought so hard for us to live in. Do you know the awkwardness that I brought to a wedding? It wasn't amongst the young people getting married. They're like, this is awesome. You mean we can be free? It was the parents like, I never liked that. The awkwardness came from the parents. Because, you know, we want a bit more control than that. We want a bit more say than that. We want a bit more of an opinion about that. And that's the trouble. The Bible says they're to leave the family and cleave to their wife. The biggest problem in marriage today is the overbearing and nosy parents. Yeah, that's the thought. Yeah. And Jesus wants to be so free that we get to make a decision based on love. Why? Because He was completely free. He modelled this. His freedom was often misunderstood. His freedom was attacked. Do you know how many times it's recorded where they said to Jesus, who do you think you are? Lots. That's my answer for that one. Lots. There's a few at least. And that's the ones that are recorded. Who do you think you are? Jesus was completely free. And this is the bit I want you to get. Jesus was completely free. There's never been a person who walked this planet that was freer than Jesus. And yet, He was under full submission. Under full authority. Jesus never did anything unless His Father gave it His blessing. Jesus only ever did what He saw His Father doing. He had an incredible authority. And that was one of the talking points. In Luke chapter 4, verse 32, it says, they were amazed at His teaching. Why? Because His words had authority. Another version says, unlike the teachers of the law. So the question is, where did this authority come from? Well, the Bible tells us that authority comes from being under authority. In Luke chapter 7, verse 8, there was a centurion who had a servant that was sick. And he heard that Jesus was in town And this centurion had a soft spot for his servant. And because Jesus was in town, he went to Jesus to say, can you heal my servant? He said, sure, I'll come with you. He said, no, no, you don't need to come with me, Jesus. I'm a Roman soldier. This was not a Jewish man. This was an Italian. The Jewish people had been saturated in this thinking. They didn't get it. But this Italian guy came. And he said, I get authority. I'm a man under authority. And I am over others and have people under authority to me. And because I have authority, I can say to those under me, do this and they will do it. I get authority. All you've got to do, Jesus, is say the word. And Jesus, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel. Here's a man who understood authority. Your authority, who wants more authority? We all do. When it comes to being under authority, You can't have authority unless you are under authority. That's what Jesus teaches us. And no one had more authority than Jesus. He was a man who was under authority and yet completely free. Imagine that. 
Imagine having the authority that comes with being under authority, but the freedom that Jesus had. That's what this message is all about today. He wasn't rebellious. Jesus didn't do His own thing. He was completely under submission to a higher authority. As I've already mentioned, Jesus only did what He saw His Father doing. He honoured His parents. He honoured the law. He honoured spiritual disciplines. Jesus went to the temple as was His custom. Why? Because it honoured the Father. Spiritual disciplines, laws. He held all the laws. He honoured His parents. He, He did everything right. And yet He was totally free. The dangerous part about this message is that there are some who can hear this message and just use the freedom that I want you to find and do your own thing. That's, that's the risk I run. But I want you to hear what I'm about to share in the context of Jesus being under authority. And yet He had total freedom. See, Jesus wants us to be free and with the help of the Holy Spirit, stay free. Everyone say, stay free. Stay free. See, freedom can be found in a moment. That's what testimonies are for. That moment when Jesus set me free. And many of you got that Jesus set me free moment in our life. And that moment will never be taken away from you. But staying free is a process every moment after you were set free. And that's not always easy. Staying free requires a commitment to a process. And we're not going to be able to do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 verse 12 says, I have much more to say to you, this is Jesus, more than you can now bear. Often we said, oh, I, just want, I just want to know more. You know what the truth is? If we got all the information we really wanted, we wouldn't be able to cope with it. Yeah. So Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you anymore. I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. There it is again. There's the submission. The Holy Spirit was under submission. He will speak only what He hears and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because He is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I have said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. See, the Holy Spirit's role is to lead us into truth. He wants to take us by the hand and lead us into truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He says, it's the truth that will set you free. Do you know there's a big difference between a truth and the truth? There's a big difference between your truth and the truth. And Jesus didn't say your truth will set you free. In actual fact, I say the opposite. Our truth is what gets us into trouble. Our truth is what keeps us in a bondage. No, I'm right and they're wrong. And that keeps you bound. Whereas the truth is, if you forgive, you'll be set free. So if we hold on to our truth, and I've never heard the term, I'm going to share my truth more than I ever have in this last 12 months. I'm going to share, just tell your truth. I'm going to speak my truth. You can speak your truth, but you will not be free. You'll be more bound than ever before because it's the truth that will set you free, not a truth. It's His truth, not your truth, not my truth that sets us and keeps us free. To stay free, we need the truth, not a truth. 
Why? Because this is what I know about people and I'm a people with you. This is, this is what is true for me as it is for the people that I come in contact with all the time. People start a conversation at the point of their understanding. And usually their understanding is an offence. Yeah, but you don't see, he did this. That's not necessarily the beginning of the story. I always remember when our kids were younger and, and, and Jordan would say something like, Mitch hit me. Now I know Mitch. Mitch isn't a kid who's just going to go out lashing and hitting people. He, he's, not that, he's not wired that way. He's not that kid by nature. So invariably, if Mitch got to the place where he got so riled up that he's hit his sister, I want to know one thing. Because I know that's not the beginning of the story. It's not like Mitch woke up and thought, oh, I'm going to hit my sister. He didn't. I know that. But for Jordan, in her point of understanding, that's how, exactly how it happened. He just woke up and just started lashing out. Oh, there she is. I was looking for you. So you started to shrink. And I said, can you tell me the... the can you give me the history? Can you give me half an hour before this hit happened? What, what did you just do? What did it look like? And you start talking. I say, and then it becomes very apparent. I said, look, I'm not condoning Mitch hitting you and I'll deal with that in a minute, but I promise you, I probably would have hit you too. <laughs> and so we have to get to the beginning because these are the three most powerful words that you're ever going to say in helping conflict in the beginning. If we can go back to the beginning and not just your point of understanding or the moment you got upset, the moment you got offended, that's where most people start and that's not the beginning. Yeah. It's never the beginning. Your offence is never the beginning of the story. Yeah. Your understanding is very seldom the beginning of the story. We've got to go back further. Yeah. We've got to dig. Yeah. We've got to find out. We've got to do the work in order to stay free. This is what I know. People don't see things as they are. They see things as they are. I'll say that again. They don't say things as they are. They see things as they are. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. In John chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Yes. Jesus wants us to stop judging by mere appearances. Stop judging by the way you see things. But let's judge according to the way things really are. See, Jesus didn't say, don't judge. He said, don't judge according to outward appearance, but make a right judgment. Do you know, when I was in New Zealand recently, a few of my friends were joking that I'm having a midlife crisis because of the length of my hair, which got me thinking, am I having a midlife crisis? <laughs> and then someone added, because you've got a motorbike and long hair, you are definitely having a midlife crisis. <laughs> of all of which could be true. Those two things could mean I'm having a midlife crisis, but those two things don't necessarily alone mean I'm having a midlife crisis. And so if I just make a decision based upon what someone's seeing and now they're saying, I get under bondage and I have to cut my hair and get rid of my bike because I'm having a midlife crisis, or am I? Or do I have the freedom to actually ask myself a serious question? Am I having a midlife crisis? And if I am, why are you joking about it and why aren't you helping me? Yes. <laughs> I might have a midlife crisis, but as a friend, you suck. <laughs> That's worse. I can do this all day, people. I mean, seriously. 
Or am I just in a new season in my life where I've got more finances? I've got, I'm financially freer than I've ever been because I don't have my two oldest kids sucking me dry with all my money. <laughs> could be, could be, could be that. Could be that I've actually got more time because I don't have to be a taxi because, again, two of the oldest kids are not around, <laughs> driving them everywhere. And so all of a sudden, have I made a decision based on the freedom I now have, which I couldn't 10 years ago, 20 years ago? And if I am having a midlife crisis, I wish I had it earlier because I'm having so much fun. <laughs> and this is the freedom we want to live in. But, but don't tell someone they should cut their hair or shouldn't be riding that. Now, for someone else, it, it, it may be something that would be unhelpful. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. Is, is this helpful so far? Yeah. I think we often use the wrong metric for most of our decisions and judgment. And that's what leads to bondage. Yeah. And so then we go around saying, hey, do, do you think I'm having a midlife crisis? Or, do you think I should have long hair? Do you think I should be riding a motorbike? Do you think I should wear this? Do you think I should wear that? I'm wearing makeup as a woman. Should I be wearing makeup? And all this, this stuff has caused bondage in the church. And a lot of it's stemmed out of just jealousy. Someone said to me, you're having a midlife crisis in my hair. I said, actually, it's a midlife miracle. Because when I was 25, I said, when I was 25, I, I had alopecia and I lost all my hair. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, what are you sorry for? I'm just joking. <laughs> I want this church to be a people who stay free. But not be rebellious. Not use your freedom to do whatever you want to do. No, we don't have that luxury. But we don't want robots. We don't want people under law. What do I have to do? What am I allowed to do? How long does my hair have? We don't want that. So we need to change our measurements and how we measure our moments. And so here's three hopefully helpful questions to help us stay free. Now, these are three that I've got. As I was doing this, these are three that I keep coming back to for me. There's more, but here's three for me. If you like, at the end of it, you're saying, you know what, in my free, I don't agree with any of those three, I've got my own three. You're that free that you can come up with your own three. <laughs> As long as it helps you to stay free, I'm happy. So here's my first one. Number one, this is a question I ask. Is it righteous or unrighteous? Because Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. That's what we should be seeking, His kingdom and His righteousness. It doesn't say seek the length of their hair. It doesn't say seek the clothes and styles and fashions. It doesn't say, seek what car you drive or house you live in. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, God measures according to whether something is righteous or unrighteous. In other words, here's a good question. Does it please God? Does it please God? When when Mitch was younger and he came up and said, hey, what do you think of my clothes? (laughs) Fine. I just don't want that to be the sticking point. He's going to face a lot of challenges in life. And whether this T-shirt's okay, I'm just like, seriously, mate, dude, whatever. I said to my father, I'm not your mother. See her, it doesn't matter. (laughs) 
See, what we have isn't as important to God as what we do with what we have. You know, when it comes to money, the haves and the have-nots, and, and, and there are plenty of people who feel very good about themselves because they don't have much. So they must, be, they must be very righteous. And they look down on people who are very rich because they just... And, and Jesus doesn't judge according to rich or poor. Because you can be unrighteous and poor. And you can be righteous and poor. The most righteous poor person to ever live was Jesus. He didn't have things on earth, but he was very righteous. The woman that gave her two pennies, all she had was very righteous, even though she was very poor. But there are some poor people who are very unrighteous. The little bit of money they do have, they spend on alcohol, they spend on drugs, they spend on get-rich-quick schemes, they spend it on the lotto. That, that is not a righteous way for poor people to spend their money. And yet many people do it. Another attitude of a righteous poor person is, I don't give now, but when I have more, I will then. If, that's, if you found yourself saying that, I would say that puts you in the unrighteous poor category. Because God doesn't hold you accountable to what you don't have, but what you do have. Is it righteous or unrighteous? Do you know you can be rich and righteous? Abraham was a rich, righteous man. But you can be unrighteous and rich. Like Zacchaeus, he was, until he met Jesus, he was rich, filthy rich, but he was unrighteous. But Abraham was filthy rich, but he was righteous. He honoured God with his wealth. So don't make about money. Don't make about what you have, what you don't have. The question is, what are you doing with what you have? What are you doing with what you don't have? And let's make it about that. We're talking about staying free. Secondly, is it healthy or unhealthy? In Luke chapter 11, verse 34, it says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, there it is, your whole body is also full of light. But when you are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. God measures according to whether something is healthy or unhealthy. In other words, does it promote good health? Do you know any arguments there are over small church and big church? There's a notion out there that small church is healthy and mega churches are unhealthy. Small church, healthy. Large church, unhealthy. That's just not true. That's like saying that a small family, if you've only got a couple of kids, that's a healthy family. And if you've got a big family, that's unhealthy. How unfair is that? Do you know some of the healthiest churches are small churches? And some of the healthiest churches are larger churches. And do you know some of the unhealthiest churches are larger churches? But do you know some of the unhealthiest churches are those smaller churches? And God doesn't judge by large or small. He judges by whether it's healthy or not. And I want to tell you, it is possible to have a small healthy church and a small unhealthy church just as much as it is possible to have a large healthy church and a large unhealthy church. Just like it is possible to have a small unhealthy family or a small healthy family. Just imagine that, like you have one kid, whoa, we're going to be healthy now. No, no, no. You've got a lot of parenting to do for your family to be healthy, even with one kid. 
And the same it is when you have a large family. A large family can be healthy or it can be unhealthy. So let's not make decisions based upon mere appearances. Ah, go to a large church. I know what that's like. No, no, you don't. And number three, as the band come back, that'd be great. Is it wise or is it unwise? Matthew 11, verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. This is John the Baptist. He chose to abstain from certain things, and they said, aha, he has a demon. Jesus comes eating and drinking. They said, aha, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus says, but you know what? If you want wisdom, wisdom is proved right by her actions. You know, you've got to look at the fruit. Don't just look at what they do or don't do. Because John was like a vegan. And all the vegans said, amen. <laughs> Jesus, like a meat-loving, party animal kind of, and both of them to the vision were wrong. And Jesus says, the only person who's wrong in this is you, judging by mere appearances. You drink, aha, there's something wrong with you. You don't drink, haha, there's something wrong with you. That's what's got to stop. Judging by what we see instead of getting to the root issue. That's why for me, discipleship is so important. We need spiritual friends. Not just friends, not Facebook friends, but spiritual friends. Having sacred encounters. Hey, Tony, I've just noticed your hair's got a bit longer. You're riding a motorbike. Is everything okay? Are you good? We need those conversations. Now, if, if that's you wanting to have that conversation with me, please don't. I've, I've got... <laughs> but, but, but that's where it starts. For divine purpose. Otherwise, we're just going to get into, do I have to go to church or don't I? I refuse to answer that question. I don't have to go to church, it says. I don't, that's just a dumb argument. Yeah. Do you love Jesus? Yeah. Are you grateful for what He did? Because yeah. as Joe said, He's the man at the end of the road. Yeah. Keep your eyes on Him. And if you keep your eyes on Him, you know what? You know where that's going to land you every Sunday if you keep your eyes on Jesus? Yeah. It's going to land you in church. Yeah. If you keep your eyes on people and the problems, pff, you're out of here. Yeah. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, I'll tell you where it's going to land you. It's going to land you in church when you want to and when you don't want to. God measures according to whether something is wise or unwise. In other words, does it produce wisdom? See, not everything is a matter of right and wrong. There are some things. There are some things that are definitely wrong and there are some things that are definitely right when it comes to theology and life in general. According to Scripture, Jesus is the only way to heaven. For me, that's a closed-handed issue. All roads do not lead to God. Length of your hair, (coughs) open hand. I'm not going to argue over that. Let's stay free. Some things are right and wrong. In the context of our marriage, there's lots of freedom to enjoy marriage a lot of ways. I won't say any more graphic than that because of the singles here and everything else, but there's, there's lots for us to do in the context of marriage. 
to keep the passion and love alive. But inviting someone else into the equation? No. There are some right and wrongs. But the right and wrongs aside, there's a lot of freedom. And it's where it's not a matter of right and wrong that gets us into a lot of bondage. And that's where wisdom is required. Because something's just a matter of right or wrong. And if we say, is it right that I do this or is it wrong that I do that? That question will get us stuck. That question will get us into bondage. A better question to ask is, is this the wisest thing for me to be doing? I promise you, for me to buy a motorbike when I was younger would not have been the wisest thing to do. One, because I didn't have the money all the time. In this stage of my life, there's a lot more wisdom attached to it. It's not right or wrong. But because your pastor has a motorbike, does that mean now everyone can have a motorbike? No. Is it wise? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. There's freedom in Jesus. But what helps us find the balance as to whether we should be walking in that freedom or not is wisdom. When I was 19 years of age, I went to Queensland and met my cousins who just immigrated from the UK. Never met them before. Heard a lot about them, never met them. We went out. They were not Christians. They went clubbing. So I went to a nightclub with them and I had a beer. And... Those who know me, I, I just like a, I like a good party. And so I'm on the dance floor having the time of my life, getting to meet my family I've never met before. And yeah, I had a beer. One of my cousins came down to Adelaide six months later and I took him to youth. And, and he was telling this story about that night that Tony came to Queensland and the night we had out and how drunk I was. Which wasn't true. But I could see how for him, he would have thought that. Because me on the dance floor, <laughs> it's a sight, let me tell you. And so I made a decision, not based on law, but based on wisdom. That from that moment on, as a young Christian who was in youth ministry and then starting a church at a young age, I'm not going to allow alcohol to be seen to be getting the credit for all of this. And I literally didn't drink till, I don't know, I was close to the age of 40. And to this day, I've never been drunk. But you know what I didn't do with that moment? I didn't make a law out of it. I didn't say, because I'm not drinking, you better not drink. And in this youth group, we don't drink. It was a conviction of mine because of my personality, because of who I am. There are definitely some things that are right and wrong, but there's a whole heap of grey. And what brings clarity in the grey is this question, is it wise or is it not? And if we will take time, slow down 
and ask ourselves these three questions before we get our knickers in or not. As well, I suppose I have to. If you don't want to be here at church, don't come. But don't ever tell me that your absence from church is the best decision if we're talking about loving Jesus. If you don't want to give financially, keep your money. But don't ever tell me that we love Jesus and, 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 and can't give to Him if we're in love with Him. I want our decisions to be love-based decisions, not legalism, not licence. We don't want robots. We don't want rebels. We want people who have a relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.